Chapter Sixteen of Mr. Gilfil's Love Story from Scenes of Clerical Life by George Eliot. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. Chapter Sixteen. Before night, all hope was gone. Doctor Hart had said it was death. Anthony's body had been carried to the house, and every one there knew the calamity that had fallen on them. Caterina had been questioned by Dr. Hart, and had answered briefly that she found Anthony lying in the rookery. That she should have been walking there just at that time was not a coincidence to raise conjectures in any one besides Mr. Gilfil. Except in answering this question she had not broken her silence. She sat mute in a corner of the gardener's kitchen, shaking her head when Maynard entreated her to return with him and apparently unable to think of anything but the possibility that anthony might revive until she saw them carrying away the body to the house then she followed by sir christopher's side again so quietly that even dr hart did not object to her presence it was decided to lay the body in the library until after the coroner's inquest to-morrow and when caterina saw the door finally closed she turned up the gallery stairs on her way to her own room, the place where she felt at home with her sorrows. It was the first time she had been in the gallery since that terrible moment in the morning, and now the spot and the objects around began to reawaken her half-stunned memory. The armor was no longer glittering in the sunlight, but there it hung, dead and sombre, above the cabinet from which she had taken the dagger yes now it all came back to her all the wretchedness and all the sin but where was the dagger now she felt in her pocket it was not there could it have been her fancy all that about the dagger she looked in the cabinet it was not there alas no it could not have been her fancy and she was guilty of that wickedness but where could the dagger be now could it have fallen out of her pocket she heard steps ascending the stairs and hurried on to her room where kneeling by the bed and burying her face to shut out the hateful light she tried to recall every feeling and incident of the morning it all came back everything anthony had done and everything she had felt for the last month for many months ever since that june evening when he had last spoken to her in the gallery she looked back on her storms of passion her jealousy and hatred of miss assier her thoughts of revenge on anthony oh how wicked she had been it was she who had been sinning it was she who had driven him to do and say those things that had made her so angry and if he had wronged her what had she been on the verge of doing to him she was too wicked ever to be pardoned she would like to confess how wicked she had been, that they might punish her. She would like to humble herself to the dust before everyone, before Miss Asher even. Sir Christopher would send her away, would never see her again if he knew all, and she would be happier to be punished and frowned on than to be treated tenderly while she had that guilty secret in her breast. But then, if Sir Christopher were to know all, it would add to his sorrow and make him more wretched than ever. No, she could not confess it. She should have to tell about Anthony. But she could not stay at the manor. She must go away. 
she could not bear sir christopher's eye could not bear the sight of all these things that reminded her of anthony and of her sin perhaps she should die soon she felt very feeble there could not be much life in her she would go away and live humbly and pray to god to pardon her and let her die the poor child never thought of suicide no sooner was the storm of anger past than the tenderness and timidity of her nature returned and she could do nothing but love and mourn her inexperience prevented her from imagining the consequences of her disappearance from the manor she foresaw none of the terrible details of alarm and distress and search that must ensue they will think i am dead she said to herself and by and by they will forget me and maynard will get happy again and love someone else she was roused from her absorption by a knock at the door mrs bellamy was there she had come by mr gilfil's request to see how miss sarti was and to bring her some food and wine you look sadly my dear said the old housekeeper and you're all of a quake with cold get you to bed now do martha shall come and warm it and light your fire see now here's some nice arrowroot we'll drop a wine in it take that and it'll warm you i must go down again for i can't a while to stay there's so many things to see to and miss assier's in hysterics constant and her maid's ill abed a poor creechy thing and mrs sharp's wanted every minute but i'll send martha up and do you get ready to go to bed there's a dear child and take care of yourself thank you dear mammy said tina kissing the little old woman's wrinkled cheek i shall eat the arrowroot and don't trouble about me any more to-night i shall do very well when martha has lighted my fire tell mr gilfil i'm better i shall go to bed by and by so don't you come up again because you may only disturb me well well take care of yourself there's a good child and god send you may sleep katerina took the arrowroot quite eagerly while martha was lighting her fire she wanted to get strength for her journey and she kept the plate of biscuits by her that she might put some in her pocket her whole mind was now bent on going away from the manor and she was thinking of all the ways and means her little life's experience could suggest it was dusk now she must wait till early dawn for she was too timid to go away in the dark but she must make her escape before anyone was up in the house there would be people watching anthony in the library but she could make her way out of a small door leading into the garden against the drawing-room on the other side of the house she laid her cloak bonnet and veil ready then she lighted a candle opened her desk and took out the broken portrait wrapped in paper she folded it again in two little notes of anthony's written in pencil and placed it in her bosom there was the little china box too dorcas's present the pearl earrings and a silk purse with fifteen seven-shilling pieces in it the presents sir christopher had made her on her birthday ever since she had been at the manor should she take the earrings and the seven-shilling pieces she could not bear to part with them it seemed as if they had some of sir christopher's love in them she would like them to be buried with her she fastened the little round earrings in her ears and put the purse with dorcas's box in her pocket she had another purse there and she took it out to count her money for she would never spend her seven shilling pieces 
she had a guinea and eight shillings that would be plenty so now she sat down to wait for the morning afraid to lay herself on the bed lest she should sleep too long if she could but see anthony once more and kiss his cold forehead but that could not be she did not deserve it she must go away from him away from sir christopher and lady cheverel and maynard and everybody who had been kind to her and thought her good while she was so wicked End of chapter 16 of Mr. Gilfill's Love Story